Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, South Valley. Great to be with you guys today. Will you guys help me thank the worship team for leading us this morning? They did an amazing job. I was incredibly encouraged. Uh, Pastor Chris is gone today. It's his, uh, he's celebrating uh, the birthday of a couple of his kids. And so he'll be with us next week. And I want to say also thank you to John Ecker for leading us this morning as well with that call to worship. We have an amazing team here and it's such a privilege to serve all of you, to serve in this community. And I'm just grateful. I also know uh, yesterday uh, the, the ladies had a cool little event over in the chapel. I heard about some, some line dancing going on in the chapel. How'd that go, ladies? Was that a good time? You guys have a... No. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I was going to go spy on you, but I thought that'd be weird. So I, I didn't, I didn't go. Um, hopefully that was a good time. Uh, welcome to South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemme. It's great to have you guys today. Uh, hope you're feeling energized today. Uh, I know you lost an hour of sleep, but we're going to get through this thing together. We are in a series on the 10 Commandments. The title of this series is Thou Shalt Love. And throughout this series, so far, we've covered the first three commandments. Today, we are on commandment number four. So let's just recap really quickly where we've been. Commandment number one was no other gods. Commandment number two, no idols. Commandment three, which was last week, do not abuse God's name or do not carry God's name in a worthless manner. And today, number four is to remember the Sabbath. And I'm just going to be honest with you and let you know that this was the command of all of the 10 that I was most concerned about when it came to this series, because there's a lot of debate around this topic of Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? What does it mean today for Christians? And so I felt like to get us going, to get us started, we need to begin with three types of Old Testament laws. I want you guys to, to, to kind of wrap your brain around this. There are three types of Old Testament law. Last Saturday, I was in Riverdale. I was invited by some friends here in the church to attend a crab feed. And this is my first time ever going to a crab feed. I guess that's kind of a thing around here. A a few places do it. Uh, We went to the crab feed. It was a great time. Went with my wife and some friends. And when I got there, the first thing I noticed is there was a big bucket uh, for everybody to, you know, discard the, you know, pieces of crab in. And everybody also had bibs. And at first I questioned the bibs, like, why in the world am I going to put this big plastic thing around my neck when I'm eating? And then I started breaking into the crab and it became clear I really needed a bib because I was a mess. I was such a mess, in fact, that one of the times I broke a, a crab leg, it squirted and, and shot into the lady's hair next to me. It was, it was super embarrassing. And I looked over at my wife and my wife, she's just like socializing and smiling and doing her thing. And I'm like, why am I like struggling for a single bite? And you're just like glowing at the table. Well, uh, it turned out that some people actually gave her some utensils. I think maybe you guys gave her utensils. And so she's eating with utensils and I'm like karate chopping this crab to get something out of it. And she's having fun and I'm struggling. I don't think I talked to anybody during the dinner time. Like I was just focused on getting my crab. And, and by the way, it was bomb. Okay. It was like really good. So I was focused on getting that food. Um, so we had a great time. I would 
definitely do something like that again, but next time I am bringing utensils, right? I'm bringing the proper gear, the proper equipment. I left though, got home, started working on my sermon for the next day, like going over my notes, and I was hit. I remembered a text that I received from my sister earlier on this year. My sister, my youngest sister, Shaylee, she texted me out of the blue this year with a very strange text. She said, hey brother, I was wondering, is it a sin for me to be eating crab and lobster on occasion? Like, I don't eat it all the time. I just eat it sometimes. Like when I'm craving it, I just have a little bit of lobster. A little. I'm like, Shaylee, what in the world are you talking about? Like, why are you asking? Since when have you been concerned about crab and lobster? Like, what is going on? My first reaction was like, what, where is this coming from? Then I realized she was actually in the middle of a read through or the beginning of a read through the Bible in a year uh, reading plan. And so guess what book she was reading at the time of this text? Any guesses? Leviticus. Leviticus is that book that many of us begin and then we start reading these and we're like, oh my gosh, and then we skip it. Okay, so that's what, she didn't skip it. Good job, Shay, you didn't skip it. Uh, she kept reading through it. And so she was very concerned because she learned about food laws. You see, according to the Old Testament, Saturday's crab feed was against the law. Isn't that crazy to think about? You see, there was a law in the Old Testament about clean food and unclean food. This is what Leviticus says about certain animals in the ocean that you can and can't eat. It says, these you may eat of all that are in the waters, everything in the waters that has fins and scales, you could do that. Whether it's in the seas or in the rivers, you may eat. But anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins and scales of the swarming creatures in the waters and of the living creatures that are in the waters is detestable to you. You shall regard them as detestable. You shall not eat any of their flesh and you shall detest their carcasses. Everything in the waters that does not have fins and scales is detestable to you. So according to Leviticus, what we were doing at the Riverdale crab feed was detestable. Or was it? I thought it was delicious, okay? I thought it was, I thought it was delicious. The Old Testament also talks about pork being detestable. I'm just telling you, that would, be, that would make me very sad. That would make me very sad. So, so is, it a, is my sister sinning when she eats crab and lobster? Was I sinning Saturday when I was eating crab and, you know, flinging my crab legs into the lady's hair next? That might have been a sin, but the rest of it, what, was I sinning? This is where we need to look at the different types of laws in the Old Testament. I'm going to pray and let's jump into it. Father God, I want to say thank you for this church. I want to thank you for every person in this room. I want to thank you for their desire to, to get up on a day where they're going to lose an hour of sleep and continue to, to make worship a priority. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for the new covenant by your blood. We thank you that there is freedom in Christ. And we pray right now as we open your word that you would teach us and instruct us and also show us how to apply your word in everyday life. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. The 16th century reformer, John Calvin, saw that the New Testament seemed to treat Old Testament laws in three ways, three types 
of Old Testament law. The first type of Old Testament law is civil law. The civil laws governed the nation of Israel. They encompassed not only behavior, but also punishments for crimes. Uh, These laws were specific to the nation and they existed only for a time. The other kind of law was the ceremonial law. The ceremonial laws were about things that were clean and unclean, about the various kinds of sacrifices that were to be offered at the temple and the, 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 what was considered as acceptable to God and not acceptable to God, temple practices. These laws, likewise, were specific for a time and only existed for a season. And then there were moral laws. Moral laws are laws about what God deems as right and wrong, true and false, good and bad. Um, An example of this is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are laws that are moral laws. Uh, Well, with an asterisk, we'll get to that in a second. These laws are permanently binding, moral laws are permanently binding, and they're reaffirmed by Jesus and by the apostles in the New Testament. So for Old Testament Israel, All three types of laws blended together. If you read your Old Testament, you're going to see all those versions of law, and you're going to see how they all blend together. If you break a civil law, it was a moral problem. If you break a moral law, it had civil consequences or ceremonial consequences. You go and sacrifice a lamb. But they only went hand in hand because Israel was a unique place historically. They were both a nation and a worshiping community, and there was no separation of church and state. Okay, that was not something that existed uh, in nations at this time. The Israel was a theocracy, okay? God was their king. God was their ruler. The big idea, though, is this. The civil and ceremonial laws of Israel existed to govern the people for a time. God promised in the Old Testament that one day Messiah would come to establish a new covenant with his people, whereby he would write the law on their hearts and seal them with the Holy Spirit so that they might obey him. And so with that in mind, what we read in the New Testament is Jesus came to fulfill the law. Now, I know this is very theological. We're going to get to the practical side, but we need to start with theology when we're talking today about the Sabbath. What we read in the New Testament is that Jesus Christ came to fulfill all of the standards, all of the laws, all of the rules that God had placed upon the people of Israel. Jesus says it this way. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus fulfilled the law in all of its aspects. He fulfilled the moral law by keeping it perfectly. He never once sinned. He always loved as he was called to. He fulfilled the ceremonial law by being the embodiment of the entire sacrificial system. He was the priest. He was the sacrifice. He was everything. And he fulfilled the civil law by personifying God's perfect justice. And in fulfilling the law, He abrogated it. He met all the requirements. 
That's why we don't have a sacrificial system anymore because Jesus Christ is our once for all sacrifice. Can I get an amen? amen. That's why we don't have priests anymore because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. That's why you can eat pig and you can smother bacon on everything because bacon makes everything taste better. I see someone saying amen back there. Yeah, everything because Jesus has declared all foods clean. That's why it isn't required for you. Okay, this is a big debate in the New Testament to get circumcised before becoming a Christian because that was a big part of Old Testament law. It's not required for that to happen for you to become a Christian because Jesus's work on your behalf is enough. All you have to do to be welcomed into the family of God is to repent of sin, believe in Jesus Christ and receive the gift of his Holy Spirit. This means the message of Christianity is not do, 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 but done, done, done. Jesus came to fulfill what we could never do on our own. Now here comes the million dollar question for our topic today. Is the Sabbath binding on Christians? Of the Ten Commandments, this one's unique. Is this one binding still today? Well, nine of the Ten Commandments are clearly binding today because they're moral laws that are reaffirmed and expanded on by Jesus and the apostles. Okay, they reference the Ten Commandments often, but one of the ten is not, and that is the Sabbath. Now, before we get there, let's back up some. What exactly is the Sabbath? Well, the first time we learn about the Sabbath is in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2 says this. On the seventh day, that's Saturday, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. He exalted it. He set it apart and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Well, that word rest, it's the Hebrew term Shabbat. Shabbat is where we get the word Sabbath. It means to cease or to stop or to be at a standstill. So when God rested, he established though, in that moment, he established a very important creation rhythm for all of mankind. Okay, if you were to observe every civilization on the planet, you would realize that universally human beings organize around a seven day week. You guys notice that? And in fact, there was a time where communist countries, they, they didn't want to build on Christian values. And so they tried to get rid of the seven-day week, but they, uh, it didn't work out. People just weren't wired that way. And so they actually reverted back to the seven-day week. What this means is that you and I, we are made for a pattern of work and rest. The Sabbath rhythm protects us from the twin idols of work and comfort. Okay, I heard a pastor uh, this week say it this way. He says, he said, older, generation, older generations historically tend to worship work. Younger generations tend to worship play. 
The war generation that Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation needed to be told, hey, take a day off, sit down, take a nap, take a break. It's all right, kick your feet up. Now their grandkids and their great grandkids need to be told, hey, go get a job, okay? And don't get a part, get a full-time job. This pattern of work and rest has been built into the DNA of human beings. It was a part of the creation pattern. Work is part of this Sabbath command. He says, you're going to work for six days and you're going to rest for the, the, on the seventh. And so uh, work is, is, is part of what we're called to do as human beings. Work, just so you know, is not a result of the fall. Adam and Eve had jobs in the garden. They had responsibilities in the garden. When we get to heaven one day, we will even have jobs, responsibilities in heaven. Okay, we've been created in the image of a God who works, a God who builds, a God who creates. If you are not being productive with your life, then you are not fulfilling your God-given purpose in the world. You were created to be productive, to contribute, to work. You have special gifts, special abilities. You have special talents and, and, and intellect, and, and you have something to offer others, offer the world. And if you're neglecting that, you are not living out your purpose. On the flip side, though, if you only live to work and you never slow down for rest and for worship and for play, then you are missing out on the gift of, of Sabbath. Now, although, although God modeled rest in Genesis, he just modeled it. There was no command for it until Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, commandment number four, is the first time the Sabbath is commanded to God's people. And this is what it says. Commandment four, our commandment today. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work and, on, and do all your work. You'll labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, that's Yahweh, your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. In the Jewish calendar, the seventh day was Saturday. Saturday was set apart as a sign of God's creative power and a sign of his covenant with his people at Mount Sinai. It was a day dedicated to rest and to worship. And although Sabbath was originally given to Israel as a gift, the people actually botched it by treating it as a burden. You see, eventually debates developed over what constituted as work and rest. People wondered, is Walking considered work? Well, how far can I walk before it's work? How about lifting? How heavy is too heavy if I want to lift something? Can I pull my animal from a pit on the Sabbath if he falls in? What about if grandma falls down in the field? Am I allowed to pick her up? That was a real debate. I don't think grandma had a vote on that debate. If she's lying there, should I tell her, hey, grandma, I'll, I'll come tomorrow after the Sabbath and help you out. Or can I actually lift her? Well, how much does grandma weigh? That was a real debate in their time. Is feeding my animal work? Is starting a fire work? Is spitting on the ground work? 
In fact, if you were to visit Israel today, you would see from sundown on Friday till sundown on Saturday, everything goes dark in Israel. Carrying is not allowed. Cooking is not allowed. Washing is not allowed. Writing is not allowed. Erasing is not allowed. You're not even allowed to push the button on an elevator. And so what this means is that on Saturdays, elevators in Israel are pre-programmed as Sabbath elevators so that you could get on them and they automatically open at every single floor on the way up and every single floor on the way down so that you wouldn't have to push a button because apparently pushing a button is work. Do you think this was God's intention when he gave the gift of Sabbath? No. In fact, Jesus often fought against the religious burden of Sabbath. His people took a gift and they turned it into a religious burden. I'll give you an example of this. Mark 2, 23. One Sabbath, as he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain and to eat them. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? You see, the Pharisees saw Jesus and his disciples who Jesus didn't have a home. He didn't have one place that he stayed and he was always traveling. He was always on the go. He's walking through the field. He's picking heads of grain and he's, he's kind of rubbing the sheath off of the grain and he's eating it like a snack, okay? Him and his disciples were, they're hungry. And as they're doing that, the Pharisees are watching them and the Pharisees say, look, he's, he's a Sabbath breaker. He, he profanes the Sabbath. In fact, uh, you're not allowed to, you can't remove sh the sheath off of, off of the grain on Sabbath. That's work. And in fact, every time Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath, he's a Sabbath breaker. Look, he healed that guy's hand on the Sabbath. What's wrong with Jesus? He healed this, this girl. He healed that man. What's wrong with Jesus? They were constantly attacking Jesus and calling him a Sabbath breaker because he did just basic human things on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response to them was, was genius. He said to them, the Sabbath, guys, it wasn't made for, for man. The Sabbath was made for man, okay? That's why it exists. It was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What he says to them is the Sabbath was intended to be a gift, not a burden. Gifts are life Giving gifts are not oppressive. Furthermore, Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. What this means is if, if Jesus is Lord of that day, if that is his day, then guess what? On that day, Jesus Christ can do what? He can do anything he wants because he's Lord of the Sabbath. Now, although he never broke the Sabbath, although he never broke God's version of the Sabbath, the Pharisees, in their mind, saw him breaking man's version of the Sabbath. Now, going back, so there's debate, right? Even in the New Testament, Jesus was often attacked over this one topic of Sabbath. Now, going back to our original question, is the Sabbath binding on Christians today? The short answer to that question is no. It's not. It's not binding on us as it was those who lived in the Old Testament, 
Paul says it this way in Colossians. He says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is the reality. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the requirements of the law. So don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. And so if you read through the New Testament, you would see the Sabbath is never commanded in the New Testament. In fact, it is fulfilled in Jesus Christ as we look forward to a future rest, a rest called heaven that we will experience one day. But what this means for us today, what we find in commandment number four is more wisdom than law. It's more wisdom than law. See, the wisdom is this. You and I were designed by God for a rhythm of work and rest. And we would be wise to remember the Sabbath, but it is not a law that we keep the Sabbath as Jews did. And so with that in mind, I want to give you guys seven ways to remember the Sabbath. Let's get really practical here. Number one, remember Jesus worked so you could rest. Remember, Jesus worked so you can rest. Rest is a form of faith. Rest is saying, God, I'm not in control. You are. Rest is saying, Jesus, you are enough. Rest is saying, Jesus, your resume is the only resume that I need. I could not fulfill the, the God's commands. I could not fulfill God's law on my own. I am a sinner in need of grace. I trust in you. Thank you for washing me white as snow and for giving me your resume with the Father. And in that, I will rest. And this is important for us to remember because it's very easy for us to revert to legalism in our walk with Christ. Legalism is the religion of human achievement. It, it argues that spirituality is based on Christ plus something else, some kind of human work. It makes conformity to man-made rules the measure of spirituality. Believers, however, are complete in Christ who has provided complete forgiveness, complete salvation, complete victory through his death, burial, and resurrection. So do not sacrifice your freedom in Christ for a set of man-made rules. Jesus Christ is enough. He worked so that you can rest in him. Can I get an amen? That's one of the principles of the Sabbath. Galatians 5 says, says it this way. So Christ has truly set us free. You know what he's talking about here? The law. Free from the requirements of the law. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You see, in the New Testament, although Jesus did enough, there was a time where some Christians were trying to revert back to the old ways. And they said, no, you got to get circumcised to be saved. And you got to do the Sabbath this certain way to be saved. And you have to, you know, participate in these ceremonies to be saved. And you have to add onto the work of Jesus Christ to be saved. But what Jesus came to do is he came to fulfill the law, to, to build a resume that is perfect and to give that resume to us by believing in him. You can rest because Jesus has worked. What this means though, we are actually saved by works, by Jesus's works, not ours, but by his. He worked so we could rest. Number two, 
Here's a good one for us, especially as Americans. Remember to take a break before you break. Growing up, my mom always told me, Ricky, you can't do everything. I was that kid who never wanted to slow down. Okay, I raced motocross, I rode bikes, I hung out at the skate park, I attended school functions, I played in sports, I attended every party I was invited to. I did it all. Every day was jam-packed, morning to evening, went to bed late, got up early. I just wanted to do everything. Looking back, I sometimes wonder if I suffered from FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. Some of you have that here today, or you know somebody who has FOMO, you're just like, they just can't ever say no. They're afraid to miss out on things. My mom always warned me though, that if I didn't stop, I would get stopped. That's true for you. If you don't find time to stop, you will likely get stopped. You see, as Americans, we wear busyness as a badge of honor. We live in a time where we work and schedule ourselves literally to the point of death. Our health takes a hit, our family takes a hit, our friendships take a hit, our marriage takes a hit, our mental health takes a hit because we are going from one thing to another, never resting, always working, always striving, always scheduling. We got so much going on every single week. We don't even know how we're gonna get by. And so because we're stressed out and tired, we're, we're amped up on coffee and sugar and energy drinks and everything every carbohydrate that is under the planet. Like we are, we are under the sun. We are all about it. And somehow that's crazy. We live in the safest time in human history, but we are more stressed out and sick and tired than ever before. You know why? Because sometimes we need to just slow down. Sometimes we just need to Sabbath, to disconnect for rest and for worship. In my life, God always had a way of slowing me down. Eventually I would get sick or I'd break a bone or I'd take on too much and I'd drop a ball somewhere. And I learned that God sometimes adds to my life by subtracting from my life. And so sometimes God is going to take something out of your life in order for you to actually take a break and think and be focused on what really matters. These breaking points though, for me, forced me to quiet my life. In fact, they were the times where I was most in tune with the Lord. Some of you need to break before you break. The Sabbath is a reminder that God is still working even when you are not. Do you believe that today? You are going to live a third of your life with your eyes closed in your bed. And guess what? The world's going to continue to spin. God's got you. You can rest because you're not even in control in the first place. You can rest because he has the world in his hands. You can take a break because he promises that when you rest, when you trust him with your life, when you trust him with your family, when you trust him with your finances, when you trust him with your salvation, he will provide. He will always show up. He will always come through. You can take a step back. You can rest because God will work things out for your good, for his glory. And so you can actually take a break. I want you to know today, it's okay to sleep in once a week. Some of you are like, man, I really love this take a nap sermon. This is perfect for me. <laughs> but if 
Some of you are taking too many naps. I want to also remind you, it's important for you to also work, right? I want you to see the rhythm here of work and rest, work and rest, work, produce and rest. When it's time to rest, take a break. Some of us need to break before we break. Number three, when it comes to taking a break, remember to find what recharges you. What is it that recharges you specifically? Now, when I bucked hay for a living, I used to deliver hay and uh, we'd move hundreds and hundreds of hay bales every single day. Uh, my favorite thing, thing to do on my day off, which was Saturday, was to, to just chill, okay? Because usually if you're, if you're somebody who works with your hands, you want to rest with your mind. And so I would order some good food. I'd invite some friends over. I'd turn on some good music and I would just chill all day. It was awesome. And, and now as a pastor, I'm working primarily with my mind all week. And so on Saturdays, when I have my day off on Saturdays, the last thing I want to do is have my phone around me or have a screen in front of me or be locked up in an office or locked up in front of something. I want to be out and about. I want to be playing with my kids. I want to be at the bike track. I want to be doing sports. I want to be at a park. I want to be under the sunlight. I want to be out and about. What is it though that recharges you? Maybe it's a Harley ride. Maybe it's, uh, you know, line dancing like yesterday. Somebody was there. I know there was more than two people there. Maybe, maybe it's a good jog. Some of you are like, what? That's rest? Yeah, for some people. Maybe for you, your rest is to turn on a nice hot pot of coffee and pull out a new book. Anybody? Does that resonate with anybody? Okay, yeah. You, you like raise your hand like this high. Um, remember to take time each week to recharge. Sabbath is not law. Sabbath for you is wisdom. The wisdom is you need to recharge. The wisdom is you can take a break. The wisdom is God made you to work. God made you to rest. The wisdom is you don't have to be busy working, sacrificing yourself all the time. There are times where you can disconnect. You could put your phone away. You could turn off the computer. You could turn off the TV. You could just be present with your wife. You could be present with your husband. You could be present with your kids. You could eat a good meal. You can sleep in. You can worship. You can rest because God is still in control and working even when you are not working. God has your back. Number four. Yeah. Remember to make time for worship. Sabbath was a rhythm of rest and worship. We worship God by working hard through the week. We also worship God in a special way by gathering with his people on Sundays, the Lord's day. In the New Testament, Sunday replaced Saturday as the day of worship because Jesus was raised the first day of the week. So how do you treat Sunday? Is worship part of your weekly rhythm? And I'm guessing for those of you who are here today, it probably is because you lost an hour of sleep and you still showed up to church on Sunday because you are making worship with God's church a part of your rhythm. And for some of us though, COVID kicked us out of that rhythm. For some of us, uh, we, we've, we've never really recovered from that rhythm of worshiping regularly and taking that time to gather with the saints. And, and so one thing I want you to hear me clearly on, and especially for those watching online today, you need Jesus's church in your life. 
Jesus' number one concern in the world is the building of his church. That is what he's most concerned about when he looks at the world and all the organizations and all the nations and, and all the companies and all the schools. What he's actually most concerned about, most passionate about, and most focused on is the building of his church. Are you a part of that work? Worshiping online is very convenient and helpful and awesome, but it is just supplemental. Online worship can never replace this. The ecclesia, which is where we get the word church. That means to gather, the gathering of the saints. So remember, make time for worship. And finally, number five, remember Jesus' Jesus promise of eternal rest. You see, heaven in the New Testament is described as a place of eternal rest. Hebrews says it this way, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. This doesn't mean there won't be work or play in heaven, but work and play will no longer be cursed. Right now, we work by the sweat of our brow. Things are tough. Life is expensive. Things are stressful. In heaven, all things will be made new. Heaven is eternal rest, where you will finally have a restored body. You will finally be in a restored kingdom. You will be in the presence of God in a place of eternal rest. And so focus and strive upon entering that rest because Jesus came to secure rest from us. This command goes back to Genesis because in Genesis, God made paradise. We ruined paradise through sin. And so God, since the fall, has been in the process of restoring paradise in the hearts and in the lives of men, restoring that Sabbath rest. And so he sent his son Jesus to fulfill the law for us, to die as our sacrifice, to raise from the grave, to break into heaven, through the, 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 the Holy of Holies, ministering on our behalf so that if we believe in Him and trust in Him and follow after Him, we have His Holy Spirit. And one day when we breathe our last, it will not be the end of our story because we will be ushered in to a place of eternal rest where we'll be given a new body and a new kingdom where we'll live forever in the presence of God and enjoy perfectly God's provision of Sabbath. Now, I know today's topic was, uh, you know, a little different. Got a lot of Old Testament in there, got some practical things in there. I hope it's helpful for you today. One thing I want you to remember today is this, you can rest because God is still working. Even when you are resting, He is working in you. Do you trust Him? Do you believe Him? Is He your rest? Is Jesus Christ enough for you this morning? Let's pray. Father God, I wanna say thank you for this series on the 10 Commandments. I know as I was preparing, I often think about all the ways that I stress myself out. I take on a lot and I get worried and, and it impacts my health, impacts mental health. For others in this room, they haven't had a break in a long time. I pray that they would find joy in resting. For others in this room, they haven't been pouring themselves out. They've been worshiping comfort. They've been neglecting work. I pray that you would inspire them and put a fire in them to work, to produce, to create, to, to use their talents, to use their gifts, to use their abilities. And above all, I pray that we would be a people who rest in the gospel. We don't need to add to what Jesus did. Jesus Christ is enough. 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, for raising for our salvation and for giving us the promise of eternal life, eternal rest. I pray this in your name and God's people said, amen.